I'm Captain Kirk. Fascinating. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Most illogical. I said. Well, that was different. Yep, rousy, but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, Benzites, chickens, and things to episode 32 of the Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. We are here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. What are those, Jarman? Those are the Muppets and Star Trek. And we do one-to-one reviews of Muppet Show and the Star Trek original series. And this week, for some reason, however you left that sentence off, maybe go, it's not my Series. Uh, this week we have special Muppet Show guest Bernadette Peters and the original series episode The Changeling. Ooh. So what can you tell us about love, the lovely and wonderful Bernadette Peters, Steve? She's an actress and singer whose career has spanned more than 50 years across stage, television, and screen. She made a big in comedy classics like Silent Movie and The Jerk. Her career took a bit of the dip in the late 80s, early 90s. When she turned to more voiceover type work, performing on shows such as Animaniacs and in movies like Anastasia, as well as doing some big stage work, including a little night music, Gypsy, and she was in Hello, Dolly as recently as 2018. Oh, I didn't know that. Cool. Uh, she's still working right now, and her most recent credit on IMDb came out just over a month ago. Wow. Yeah, she's, she's uh, totally amazing. What do our viewers know her from? For me, it'll always be the jerk. Always. Oh, yeah. She'll always be from the jerk. If you haven't seen it, go see it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, let's talk about The Muppet Show this week. On stage, Kermit introduces Bernadette Peters, but first, an opening number that Kermit's participating in. Piggy is not pleased because he is performing with Miss Mousie. They sing the song, How Could You Believe Me, about a man who's just a no-good liar, basically. Up next, we have Bernadette performing with some of the big monsters. Take a little one step. A great showcase of Bernadette's talent. Honestly, she's got to be top two or three singers we've seen on the show thus far. Oh, yeah. After this, we get a veterinarian's hospital. This week's jokes center around the fact that the patient is a shoe, <laughs> and it features a timely arsenic and old lace joke that they even make reference that it's very old then. Hey, well, us theater kids, we all, we all got the reference. Oh, I got it. <laughs> Up next, we get a weird racist-feeling belly dancing. Oh, yeah. The Sheik of Arabi. It makes you feel gross. <laughs> Following this, Sam the Eagle tells the story of the ant and the grasshopper. It's fun old time and what you expect until the it ends with the grasshopper driving to Florida and killing the ant. <laughs> On stage, we get him up at labs. We get uh, Beaker and Bunsen introducing his new element, Bunsonium, which causes Beaker to lose his hair and then tells Beaker that he will be the first person to ingest Bunsonium. Beaker takes a sip and his head deflates. <laughs> Kermit introduces Robin for his debut. It's a cute little no- song called I'm five. Kermit is back to introduce Bernadette again, singing Applejack with Lubbock Lou and the jug huggers. Kermit thanks Bernadette Peters. Bernadette thanks nephew Robin. And that is what we call the Muppet show. Most of the backstage this week centers around Robin trying to find his place in the show and building up the courage to ask his uncle. He tries to run away. He goes and talks to Bernadette. We get a beautiful backstage number. Mm-hmm. Just, and you know I'm a sucker for backstage numbers. The fact that it's, uh, that it's such an iconic song just makes it maybe the best backstage number ever. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. 
we'll watch the rest. Robin finds his confidence, asks to do a song. Kermit says yes. Robin wants to do They Call the Wind uh, Mariah. I love that Kermit song. Kermit says no, you're going to do a cute song, and Robin agrees. And he sings I'm Five later. They Call the Kermit. Wind Mariah. <laughs> what do you th- what do you think of this week's episode of The Muppet Show with Bernadette Peters? I think we could both agree it's a great episode. Um Bernadette Peters is just so adorable and charming and a great singer. Um, she's got the whole package and she's also just really good with the Muppets. She looks at them like their other characters she's performing with, not like there's someone underneath them controlling them. Um, and that's always a kind of a litmus test of how good is this host this week? Um, uh, she's just was fantastic. And just, you know, Robin was so adorable that it was tear jerky and it was cute. And, oh yeah. Um, and they had all the classics that we like. They had the Bunsen and Beaker a segment, Animal Hospital, Muppet News Flash, yep. uh, and then Sandy Eagle finally not just being constrained to uh, what's the, the couple's name that always dances and sings? Wayne and Wanda. Yeah, we don't, I mean they're kind of a season one special. Okay, good because like now we can finally do something else besides Wayne and Wanda, and so he kind of goes through the whole story of the ant and the grasshopper. It's a very classic, like fable, kind of an Aesop's fable type of thing. And uh, it was just nice. It was different. And the only you know sore thumb of the whole episode was the weird racist Arab Arabian Nights Sheikha number of Arabi. Yeah, with the the bump it with huge boobs. Um, it was weird. Yeah, it was very out of it place. Was weird. <laughs> it wasn't sung very I, well either. So there was something I, really good about it. I agree. I think this is one of the times that I watched that. I think the Muppet singing is great. And some of them are really great singers and they sing great as an ensemble. This is the one time they could not stand up to the voice of a, of a guest. Oh well, yeah, absolutely. Her, she has such cutting clear tone that like, not say all you could hear is Bernadette Peters, but like when you hear Bernadette Peters sing, you know, it's Bernadette Peters. Yeah. It's when you hear sound. her speak, you know, it's her speaking. Um, so it's just, they just, maybe they just couldn't stand up this week. And maybe that's the only bad thing. Well, I mean, they initially like what you're saying, because a couple of the songs like they had beautiful harmony starting off, but then she can't contain herself like her voice just goes above and beyond. And it reminded me of the Ethel Merman because the same thing with her. You always know Ethel Merman's voice when she's singing, except for the fact that Burnett Peters has a prettier voice. (laughs) Ethel Merman has a distinctive voice, but you wouldn't call Ethel Merman's voice pretty. It's it's grating and kind of in your face, you know, <laughs> whereas opposed to Bernard Peters, it's like you're going to hear it and love it. But, yeah, I could that one song in particular when they're all singing with her, it was harmonies are pretty at first. But then it's like, up, oh, it's just Bernadette. <laughs> there she is. Yeah. Or she would hold a note just a little too long over the ensemble. So maybe that was a detriment. But she was such a good singer that like, you know, they could have told her to take it back her. a notch because she she was kind of soloing when she should have been uh, mixing with them so that was yeah, kind of on her a little maybe, bit <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's the one complaint this week yeah and the uh, racist music, number oh oh yes <laughs> music this week uh, how could you believe me made famous by fred astaire in a 1951 movie royal wedding it was written by a man named burton lane who was a lyricist and composer uh amusingly enough he is credited with discovering a 13 year old judy garland Oh, cool. It sounded like a very Frank Sinatra style type of song kind of thing. Uh, take a little one step from a musical I'd never heard of called No, No, Nanette, <laughs> a musical which often is miscredited with being financed by Babe Ruth. But that musical was actually My Lady Friends <laughs> financed by Babe Ruth. <laughs> Sheik of Arabi from a 1921 movie called The Sheik. It was an early jazz classic and is actually made reference to in the book, The Great Gatsby. Wow. Weird. 
Just One Person, written by Larry Grossman, who was a music consultant on uh, the show for three seasons. Just One Person, I found out, is actually from Snoopy the Musical, hmm. which which uh, 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 Larry Grossman wrote uh, and has since become the theme song, like the anthem for the Muppets as uh, the puppeteers closed with it at Jim's funeral and then reprised it at uh, the sort of the Muppets tribute to Jim Henson. That's the duet we had with with, uh, Miss Mouse. No, no, no. Oh, just one person. Which which one was that? Uh, The backstage one. Oh, the the nice backstage one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, So um, it's just it's become such iconic and mix that with my love of backstage musical numbers. And this may be the best backstage musical number in the entire Muppet show. Mm, High praise. It could be. This it, it it's up there certainly. I'm five, written by Milton Schaefer, made famous on an album of children's songs recorded by future host Danny Kay. Hey, love me some Danny Kay. And then the song Applejack, which Bernadette closed out with by Dolly Parton. This was actually a contemporary hit at the time they recorded this. Basically, it was from her 1977 album New Harvest. And fun fact about Dolly Parton, she grew up so poor in rural America that her father paid for her birth with a sack of oatmeal. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wow. Fun so, fact. Darren, what was your favorite Muppeteering moment this week? Uh, for some reason, I think I'm noticing I'm always a sucker for the the numbers with the big uh, Muppet costumes. Yeah. Um, and so the one, the, the three monsters with Peters that take a little step. one step. Yeah. Um, just they were whoever those dancers are in those costumes. They're You're just working it. They they hold up just as well with every host that comes on the show. And like they are doing complicated dance numbers. And the one Muppet had the one monster had to pretend to be a bad dancer. But you can tell that's hard to do, too, in that costume. Right. So it was all <laughs> really well done. And I think that's just really impressive. By you. Uh, I'm going to give it to, to just one person mm, uh, because, to. well, not, not only because it was so well done, but you really did get to hear everyone's individual voice, which was nice to hear from the Muppeteers and then getting everyone together mm-hmm. on stage. I'm, I'm normally much more in the, in, in the camp of like one, you know, I love one Muppeteer just selling it, but for whatever reason, having all of them together was really extra nice this time. And that's always really difficult too. So yeah. there you go. So, Darwin, tell us about the original series episode we watched this week. Oh, yeah, because these are the same show, right? So we were just watching the same episode. They're basically the same episode, <laughs> yes. So this week we have The Changeling. So the Enterprise receives a distress call from the Malurian system, which we've all heard about the Malurian system. Mm-hmm. Uh, this system contains planets with billions of inhabitants and has made check-ins with Starfleet even a week ago. But when they arrive and they have the distress call, they can't pick up on any life signs. So it's very weird for a system with billions of people. And Spock can't find any evidence of like a plague or space battles. So he's completely confused as to what's going on where everyone is. And all of a sudden, they're fired upon by an unknown source with like a giant green ball. And it hits the ship, taking their shields down to 20, down 20%. And they say if they're hit three more times, the entire Enterprise will be destroyed. So after two more hits, they finally find the source of where it's coming from. And it's a very small object far off. So if it's a ship, it's a very tiny ship. Um, In a last ditch effort to stop it before it destroys the whole ship, Kirk decides to communicate with them from this source. And he says that, hey, we come in peace. Stop firing at us. And it actually works. The firing stops and they receive a communication back, but it's in binary code. So they decipher it, trying to understand it. And they link in with the computer and decide to teach it their language. So they give it their whole memory banks about, you know, speaking English. 
And so they eventually communicate with it and whatever it is wants to beam aboard their ship. So they go to the transporter room and it comes on and it looks like a small robot and not really a ship at all. And it identifies itself as Nomad and it refers to Kirk as its creator, which is strange. Uh, so they find out that Nomad was actually a probe that was sent from Earth in 2002. Ooh, the future. And its mission was to explore the galaxy in search of new life. And it was thought to have been destroyed. But now it insists that its mission is to seek out and eliminate any biological infestations that it deems imperfect. And it didn't, it didn't destroy the Enterprise because it thinks that Kirk is its creator. When it actually his creator was someone called Dr. Jackson Roy Kirk, which sounds like Kirk. It does so, kind of. Yeah, a little bit. So they go off to deliberate and they leave Nomad in the sick bay. Um, but Nomad hears Ahura singing over the intercom and he's intrigued by the noise. So he leaves the sick bay to go to the bridge to find her. And he starts to probe her mind to figure out what this singing thing is all about. And Scotty tries to stop Nomad from probing her and he blasts Scotty with a laser, killing him. And the mind probe apparently erases all of Ahura's memories, which we'll get into later, which is nuts. <laughs> um, so uh, Kirk arrives and he yells at Nomad and says, uh, but then Nomad says he can repair Scotty. So they take him to sick bay and he repairs Scotty, bringing him back to life. But he can't do anything for Ahura because she isn't broken. She's just erased. Uh, so they decide that they will have to re-educate Ahura and teach her back everything she knew which is crazy. And I had forgotten that happened in this episode. <laughs> it kind of changes all of canon. Like, oh, now she's just a new person that was completely reeducated. So to figure out more, Spock does a mind meld with Nomad and finds out that um, Nomad was hit by a meteor or something. It was and crashed, but also was crashed into a, a space probe from an alien planet called Tan Ru. Um, and this that had highly advanced technology. And this like melding together of these two probes corrupted Nomad's programming to seek out new life. And now he wants to destroy all non-perfect life. So Kirk compares. Uh, this is a weird part where Kirk compares Nomad's reincarnation to the changeling legend uh, in which a human child oh, yeah. is switched with a fairy child um, with the latter assuming the identity of the former. And I think this was really reaching just to get the episode title. It didn't really make any sense, but yeah, cause I'm like, I get it. It's a human probe that ran into another probe and came back as a di like, I guess it's sure kind of switched out, but not really. It's kind of melded together. It's not really. A I think you should have just called it probed. Yeah. <laughs> Double entendre episode. Uh, so yeah. they put nomad in a cell in the brig and try to contain him, but he escapes and he kills security officers and he goes down to the engineering section and he says, oh, these engines aren't perfect, so I'm going to fix them. But when he does that, the ship's starting to go so fast that it'll actually start to tear the ship apart. So Kirk stops him. But when he's angry at him, he also tells him that, well, you know, I'm not actually perfect either. I'm just a flawed human. So now Nomad isn't sure if he should follow Kirk anymore, listen to his orders. So Nomad decides eventually, after hearing that, that the ship's inhabitants should all be destroyed since they are imperfect uh, but then Kirk does what he does best, and he argues a computer to death. And yeah. he tells Nomad, hey, you're imperfect, too, because you made a mistake thinking I'm your creator when actually I'm not. His name was Roy Kirk. I'm Kirk. So Nomad starts to go mad, realizing that he's also imperfect, and they lead it to the transporter bay while he's going crazy, and they transport him out into space just before he blows himself up. And there's the changeling. <laughs> so, Steve, what did you think of this episode? Okay. Okay. 
This one's real down there for me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> there were a few things I liked, and I think these are just general things. I think that in general, the writers are getting much better about starting us in the middle of a situation. Yeah. Ramp up and fast. Ripping in early. Scotty's death throw and his acrobatics throwing himself over that that railing. Just great. <laughs> uh, there's, I never realized how inconvenient the railing is for everybody on that top level. Oh, uh, yeah. For everybody at the top level, it's like at their knees. So at one point, the ship was shaking, and one of the extras like had to bend down over half his height to like grip it for support. It was real awkward. <laughs> so they're kind of useless. <laughs> kind of useless for anybody on the top level, which in theory is why they are there. Right. They're not there to protect the people on the bottom level. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that before. <laughs> Uh, I, I did enjoy some aspects of Nomad and Kirk and the crew. I like that it almost took on an odd couple-esque funny roommate situation. <laughs> this weird robot times. guy hanging out. Get out of the engine room. I am helping. Like, <laughs> and him uh, and, uh, and Ensign Khan or whatever, the guy who's like uh, trying to poke at him. I can't remember what happened, yeah. but it was a little moment there. Uh, I, once, I, things I didn't like as much. You're right. Kirk out thinking yet another computer. All right, we get it. <laughs> I think it's funny that the original series seems to edge over and over again about this idea that uh, people can't be replaced by technology. Mm, they're scared it's of that. It's funny that in the next generation, it's almost a switch with the introduction of data that humans can absolutely be replaced with technology. <laughs> and we should embrace uh, and it. It's just, it's funny to see, and the Borg then coming from literally the opposite end of that spectrum, it's just funny to see it so opposed in these early, these early mm, entries. That's a good observation. Uh, and then it was funny after I, I watched this, I wrote this note and then looked it up and apparently everyone says this, this was very similar feeling to the first movie. Yes. That's a big, uh, they, yeah. they, they don't claim that this is inspiration behind it, but it pretty much kind of is. Uh, and for some reason, this episode, the music was really, really overblown. Oh, I didn't know really, that. really, really overblown. There was a moment where they were waiting to see if Scotty was going to live. And it was just the loudest trumpets you could possibly <laughs> imagine. Trumpets. And I'm like, I think they think they're creating suspense, but I just want to go to a bullfight. I think that's what's happening here. <laughs> it was just like, what is happening? Is that a fanfare? What is. Um. So I, this episode, not great for me. There were some funny moments and Nomad in itself was kind of a cool villain. Yeah, it's interesting. Quote it's unquote. so unassuming looking, but it's so powerful. It's kind of, if neat. anything, I think like some of the villains, it ran out of shtick early. Mm. Anytime someone is loose on the ship, I hate it. I'm finding. Yeah, it doesn't a lot. make any sense. It doesn't make any sense why this one person would be able to be loose on the ship, know where everything is and accomplish everything they're trying to do. They just don't have enough oversight of what this person that just destroyed billions of people and you're going to leave it alone for that long or like one guy well, watching and it. The other problem with this, we're going to let someone around the ship ones. They do something real weird and then they like let him go. Yeah. <laughs> why? I'm sorry. I didn't know I shouldn't have attacked him. It's okay. All right. Go enjoy lunch. And then they <laughs> let them do it again. Every time. Enjoy our whole ship's accommodations. <laughs> That's right. That's so this is on the low end of the spectrum for me. Luckily, Bernadette really balanced it out. <laughs> yeah, for me, this is a middling episode. I don't find it that bad, but it's because there's a lot worse ones maybe coming up and previously. Oh, that's giving me something to look forward to. So uh, I think it's pretty middling for me, but it's, it's, it has all your standard original series kind of things you want to see and 
Kirk yelling at a computer is always fun because apparently he does that. He talks a computer to death in Return of the Archons, iMud, uh, the ultimate computer, and mm-hmm. arguably what are little girls made of where he makes robots fight each other. Uh, yes, that so is arguable. There you go. Uh, some little tidbits here is also the first time Scotty uses the phrase giving them all we got, uh, which Ooh. I didn't remember that happening in this episode, but apparently it did. I'm giving all they got, Captain. Um, also, apparently the writers and directors were having fights over Ahura and what language she would know when she lost all her memories. And so she she's the one who fought for that. She would speak Swahili Um because they were like, no, she'll just speak English. It's fine. And she's like, no. And she's like, but you don't speak Swahili. She's like, I know, but I want to learn the phrases. It's important for the characters. So she like really fought that she had those Swahili words that she knew. It was just yeah. very odd. I think that was a terrible writing decision because it's like. It did come out one other time. What was the episode? Did it? Where they put a vision into her mind of like. Oh, Swahili African did. Warrior. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm just saying going, going forward, it's like she's not the same human anymore. She's lost all of her memories and there's never going to speak about that again. It's like she's just normal again. The next episode. Well, no, I think what you and I should do, though, is that in the next two to three episodes, really watch her and see how like six, seven, eight year old mental or her does <laughs> in the true. coming episodes. Now that this is canon, I think that you and I need to watch for it. I go to play with Phaser. <laughs> Yeah, she's just back there booping buttons. <laughs> boop, boop, beep, boop, boop, boop. Nobody asks her questions anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that's a thing. But uh, that's our little trivia there. So do we have any Trek connection, Muppet connections this oh, week? Oh, boy. One of Shatner's first appearances was in a vignette scene in a 1958 Christmas television production called The Christmas Tree. Who else had a vignette role in this? A young Bernadette Peters. How lovely. Bernadette guest starred in an episode of Boston Legal, which featured Shatner. Ah. And there's a 2013 animated film called Legend of Oz, Dorothy's Return, featuring the voice talent of Bernadette Peters and Captain Picard himself, Patrick Stewart. Wow. That's a lot. Of, that's, those are solid connections. connections. Do we have any similarities this week, Jeremy? Yes. So this one is really solid. All right. <laughs> mm. All the other Muppets ignore and walk right by Robin, just like Nomad walks by the Enterprise crew members and ignores them if they are of no use to him. That's true. It's true. Both feature entities searching for their place in the world, Robin and Nomad. Accurate. Uh, both have experiments that go wrong, Bunsenium on the Muppets and Nomad on Star Trek. <laughs> both feature characters being reverted to the level of a five-year-old or her and nephew robin <laughs> oh that's, that's a very good one that's i'm five good i'm five uh both have a main character seemingly die but we know that they are really going to be fine we have scotty on star trek and the news anchor mm-hmm. on the muppet newsflash true he'll be back <laughs> he's close <Clarinet> peters <laughs> tries to perfect the monsters dancing just like nomad seeks to perfect the universe Oh, very, very profound. Ooh, That's very deep, profound. Basically the same episode. Oh, my God. Oh, no. What is that? Transporter malfunction. So the part of the show where we transport one character from one episode to the other episode and vice versa. So what do you got for us this week, Steve? So this week from Trek to Muppets, I've got Nomad coming over to replace Nephew Ramid. Uh, just to just to be naggy backstage. Uncle Kermit, I think to bring perfection to the show. <laughs> Uncle Kermit, I am running away now. 
No, you gotta go on stage. Come on. <laughs> no, I must leave. <laughs> that would be. Are you the show's creator? <laughs> that would be pretty wonderful. Because yes. I actually had Robin going over to play Nomad on the Star Trek episode. <laughs> so he goes over there and he's just like, "Hey guys, uh, I'm a robot. I didn't mean to kill all those people." And they like they'd be so cute that they would just forgive him of everything that he did. Like, oh uh, guys, I didn't mean to kill that crew member. <laughs> Oh, it's all right, Robin. That's okay. <laughs> what do you think? I'm three? Not me. <laughs> I'm five. <laughs> I'm going to kill uh, five we- billion people. <laughs> Aww. Oh. <laughs> uh, for Muppets to Trek, I'm bringing over Beaker to let him mess around with the engines. Uh, and increases their speed, but only by blowing himself up or conducting electricity through his body. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Uh, I think We're going Uhura- up to nine. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. <laughs> and shaking. I think Ahura should go over to play the part of Bernadette Peters because uh, I could really see her singing that song to Robin and calming him down oh, yeah. and giving him confidence. And she's got a great voice, too. I'm surprised that I don't think any of them ever hosted. And it's kind of a that is surprising. Shock. Yeah, like especially not, you know, Shatner or because it's the right time period. He would have been pretty popular at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Huro would be great singing to the Muppets and stuff. So I think that'd be that'd be quite nice. And yeah. I think that also brings us to the end of episode 32 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for the Muppet Show with special guest Dom DeLuise. And original series episode Mirror Mirror. So from the lovers, the dreamers and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds. 